If evolution has taught us anything about human beings, it is this. They are capable of remarkable things, which means you are capable of remarkable things. And especially when you set yourself meaningful goals and have got a purpose. Curiosity drives passion and passion drives purpose and purpose creates autonomy like never before. Today, you and I are going to interview Richard Porter. Who is Richard Porter? Well, he's an unassuming man, a gentleman. He's got wisdom on human behavior and achievement very few people have got on this planet. So, without further ado, enjoy every single minute, take notes, and let's do this together. I spend my life in a big hospital in southwest London where I joined in 2001 and I started fixing people there. And I treat the very ill, the very injured, the, the people close to death. And then I started teaching other people how to do it better. I got into education. I got into uh, helping individuals become the best surgical version of themselves they could be. I got tired of that and realized that the NHS isn't a health service, it's a disease service. And we moved into prevention. And that led us to exploring psychology, personal development, and, and my company was set up. And we work alongside Kirk and people who you know well, trying to get people into a position where they become the best version of themselves. So rather than someone getting disease and getting fixed, we prevent it. And so my area of prevention is the best cure. Is, 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 well, you know, not just the best cure, it's, it's so far ahead of the best cure that, and if you ask any individual, do you want to get sick and get fixed or do you just not want to get sick in the first place? So I, we look at preventative medicine. My big thing is preventative medicine, preventative health, living healthily, becoming all you can be. And that's what I've spent my life doing. You studied the psychology of penalty taking. I did, I did. Because you, you can actually look at who misses, who doesn't miss, and my massive area of passion is personality science. And by personality science, I do mean that your personality, which is not fixed, yep. can be changed, affects your health, affects your life. It's probably the biggest determinant in your life. And so in studying personality psychology, as, as a, an aside, we looked at, there's, there's a bunch of scientific papers looking at penalties. And actually the key thing for a penalty taker, just in case anyone's got football this weekend, yeah. is decide where the ball's gonna go before you put it down. So if you think, right, I've practiced my penalties, top left-hand corner, commit to that, do not change your mind. If you go up to the ball with any doubt, the chance of missing goes up by like a third to two thirds. Do you know what? <clears throat> Can that be transferred into other walks of life? Definitely. I did an interview with an amazing man called Luke Murphy. Right. And he's got Parkinson's. He's had so many struggles. But yeah, he's, so, he's so, been so successful. And he shared a point. He says, when I walk into a building as a salesperson, yeah. I decide where I'm going, who I'm going to speak to. And I go, just, just literally decide where you're going, Commit. straight there. Yeah. Just go in one straight line. Yeah. So yeah. make the decision bef before he gets through the rolling door or yeah, the door, yeah. I'm going there. 
Yeah. So, which is exactly the same as what you just kind of said there, isn't yeah, well, it? Yeah, well, it is. And, do you know, I've heard Brad Sugar's talk, and, yeah. you know, and, and said many, many wise words. And it has to be worded very carefully, this. But one of the things that he says is you mustn't underestimate how needful people are to be led. Now, people might be offended by that because they think, well, I don't, want to, yeah. I don't want to be led around by the nose. You know, but that's not what he's talking about. What we like is people who make us feel safe with decisions yep. and say, this is a way you could go. And so when he walks in decisively, the guy you admire so much, and walks up to someone and just leads the conversation, people don't mind that because it's how you do it. And it actually builds rapport. Yeah. You know, we like that because it's, it's, you can put trust in people like that. Like their intention is clear. There's no deceit. Like the, the reason humans have whites around our eyes is so we can see what our intention is, where our attention is. And we can see that in yeah. each other. So he would have walked in eye contact straight up and they would have thought this person is focusing on me. Yeah. You know, not aggression, just, clear. just build a relationship. That's, that's what it's all about. So there you go, some decision yeah. making. So there. there you go, football, football can teach the world sales. Yeah. There you go. I might, I, might, I might go to that leadership in a minute, being led and all this kind of thing. Let's go to the personality. Okay. So thoughts on this. So yeah. I, I could stand to be corrected here. Okay, so thoughts, trigger emotions. Yes. And emotions trigger thoughts as a cycle going yeah, on. Yeah. So thought can trigger emotion. Emotion hangs around long enough for a few days. It can turn into a mood. Definitely. So, which- and, and it can turn into self-perception. So, so, so let's, so the, the personality from, if I go a little nerdy, yeah. the, there's a, a personality model, which is reproducible, replicable. The key things in science are something is reproducible, yeah. replicable, and you can test it in different cultures, languages, age groups, all sorts. And for personality science, we call that the big five. And the, and the big five has five um, characteristics, traits, yep. which you can measure. And the one of negative emotion, we talked about negative emotion, is, is labeled, perhaps wrongly, but it's labeled the word neuroticism. Right. And if you think of someone's natural ambition and industriousness and how organized and driven they are, we call that conscientiousness. So that's just yeah. two, conscientiousness and neuroticism. If you really, take, the industriousness and drive is conscientiousness. Yeah, so con- and, 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 and it, yeah, and you can measure these things. So if you measure conscientiousness and marry it up with something like IQ, that's the biggest predictor for success in business, in industry, finance, wealth, right. that you can have in terms of measurements. You can measure IQ and conscientiousness. So if someone says like, I want to do well, I want to do, I want to be a winner in this game, you can measure their conscientiousness. I mean, you can, you know it already because you can see the results. But, but we're saying a winner is in business, someone that's earning the most or- If that's what they want, yeah. yeah but yeah, I mean, of course, there's many ways to win and success can mean a lot of different for sure. things. For sure, it, it definitely can. And, and when someone's moving towards their personal goals, if they're working a well-paid job they can't stand, and what they actually want to do is make jam and live in the countryside with two kids and a white picket fence. You're not happy. You're not happy. That's the goal thing. But you can migrate your conscientiousness up. Now, when it becomes self-fulfilling, let's say you're in a dead-end job you hate, you're going to be using push motivation to get to work. You don't feel that passion. You're not terribly you curious. push yourself. And you might go into that job with good intentions and you think, well, this is a job for me. I'm, you know, I'm going to kill it. And then you find your soul slowly being destroyed week after week after week. And then someone can ask you again, like, are you a hard worker? And you're like, no, I don't really like hard work. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because <laughs> you do inherit your personality. It probably comes from your parents, your upbringing, about yep. 50%. But then in your environment, you have agency over. And so that's why everyone ideally should live a life with their sense of purpose, their goals. 
which is is going to affect your personality more than anything else. It is. It is. And and you mentioned earlier on, you know, negative emotion, that neuroticism that most people don't want to be happy. They just don't want to suffer. And uh, so taking so much neuroticism scores and migrating them is the number one request we get when we're helping people. They're like, I'm too anxious. I don't sleep well. I'm worried all the time. Something bad happened, as you said, and it became self-fulfilling and it's become my mood. What's the best cure for anxiety? Uh, so... I'm, I'm going to challenge that slightly, mate, because anxiety is a good thing in yep. moderation. So uh, I'm glad you said that because what do you think of this comment? I suffer from anxiety. Yeah, I disagree. Because, I did, so, because so we, everyone's got anxiety. So you, you can measure it and about 5% of the population have suffer the experience of anxiety yes. so much that it detracts from their life. You shouldn't be happy. We shouldn't be happy. We should feel happy commensurate with our current circumstances. So if this room's on fire and you and I can't get out, yeah. we shouldn't be happy. <laughs> we should, we be, should be pretty anxious. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should. It's a natural I'm, emotion. Yeah. I'm not going to pull you out. Yeah, so it is natural, um, but we've medicalized it. And I do think there's an element of society where if you feel negative emotion, people can think, I shouldn't be feeling that. I must have a sickness. I'll go to the doctor and I'll get a tablet. Whereas actually what you should probably think about is that personal development and your circumstances and try and get some agency to improve them. You're probably not ill. You're, you're yeah. probably justified in feeling how you're feeling. Yeah. And, you know, for, I've, I've been trained relaxation techniques. I've right. been trained on how to cope yeah. with anxiety. I've studied the, the stuff as well. I have mean, not to, your not to your degree. No, I think you have. Um, so... It's always more challenging when you're with someone that's not got your experience yeah. and when you, uh, and they've the not, not got your understanding and strategies or yeah. methodologies or techniques of being able to deal with pressure or anxiety, yeah. you know, because they can't relate to that. And it, it's like a skill that you develop. I, I, I think you, you know, you put it so beautifully and equally you do inherit, so, so anxiety isn't neuroticism. If you're sensitive to negative emotion, you can score it from naught to 100. And if you do have higher scores in neuroticism, you are more likely to experience yeah. anxiety. So it's going to be more frequent, perhaps more long lasting. So people can migrate that neuroticism down. Yes. And a lot of people want us to. But if you've got a innate level of anxiety and it's all you've ever known, you're like a fish being asked, where's the water? You don't even know it's there. It's just what life is. So if you meet someone whose neuroticism score is high, they're yeah. anxious, you say, do you feel anxious? They don't compare it to you. They compare it to how they felt yesterday, which was the same. And so they say, no, I'm not, I'm fine. But actually they're not, they're just normal, but yeah. throughout life. So to answer your question a little more clearly, are there techniques to make us less susceptible? Definitely. Is there published scientific evidence to make us more clear? on reducing our neuroticism, our sensitivity to negative emotion, definitely. And so demonstrable ones, there's things you can actually yeah. measure. So something we can measure in you and me or anyone yeah. is our hand grip strength. And as it goes up, yeah, exactly. As it goes I've up- I've got a feeling that yours is gonna be tight. I don't know, it's not bad, it's not bad, it's <laughs> all right, it's all it's right. It's got some serious muscles. Oh, it's, it's, it's all right, but as, as your hand grip strength goes up, it's scientifically reproducible that neuroticism goes down. And really, I can send you the paper. So it's you part of release. Notes. It's like, oh. So it's physical training. It's physical health, physical wellness, and physical strength. So lean muscle mass. And the studies do show it's beneficial in men and women. In well, it's been proven for decades, hasn't it? You yes. know, exercise improves positive mood states and decreases negative at the same time. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I don't think it is just, you do this to your body and you feel good about it. I think your whole physiology, all of your brain, all Holistic. of your body, all of your gut biome are all linked. They're all linked, the whole thing. You can't improve one thing without improving everything. So that's one aspect. Well, of that's everything. nature. Everything is, everything is linked to everything else. It is 100%, 100%. How you feel, your gut biome, your neural connections, you know, muscles and nutrients sensing. Well, you, going to the gym is, it, it's the, it's that, it's almost like you get a dopamine hit afterwards you or you, because you, f, you know, you've done good. You do. And that's psychological yet, yeah, but you, you feel in, you, f, you can feel it. You can. And you know, you get the opposite guilty as charged folks when you go to McDonald's. <laughs> Definitely. Cause you know, oh God. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I know I've not put exactly the best stuff yeah. inside. And, 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 you know, I mean, I haven't had a drink in a long time, a long, long time, but if you spend a day with a hangover eating rubbish, no one looks back on that day and feels proud, like not deeply internally proud. You know, I've, I've drank a lot, but I've never had a hangover in my life. Have you not? Never. I've never had a headache. I'm so, well, I'm my goodness, whatever you have, I want some of that. Um, I don't know why. I'm never going to have a hangover again, but that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm, don't know why I've never had one, but I've never, my head's never ached. Yeah, well, that's, that's good because it's a level of pain I would never want to experience again. <laughs> and I wouldn't wish it on anyone at all. Well, let's come back. So yeah. we, we've got, we, we've got like a, I don't know, transition or here. It's going to finish on personality. Thoughts. Yeah. That trigger emotions. Yes. Of course, there's a loop that goes on. Emotions hang around. If the emotion is anxiety, hang yeah. around. Like it can affect your mood. You can be an anxious yeah. type person. If that mood hangs around for, let's say, weeks, even months, mm. it begins to change your temperament. It does. And how you're perceived. So it changes your behavior. Yeah. So then people react to you differently. You and I know when we meet a stressy person, when we meet a really relaxed person. And... Yeah, you do. And so... They look tense. They do. And my my... My curiosity in um, personality psychology really came from listening to Daniel Goleman, yeah. who, you know, the, the father of emotional yeah. stroke, social intelligence. And I think the first lesson he taught was when two people meet, you exchange energy. It's you and I meet. Yeah. And we exchange energy and the exchange rate will be positive or negative and it will have a, a ratio. So if I give one unit of Richard Porter yeah. to you and you really like me, it'll feel like three to you. Yeah. And so you've got three extra units of energy, just nowhere, like free. It's just a beautiful, amazing thing. So you give two back to me and I really like you, mate. I really like oh, you. So this feels like eight. <laughs> so that means when I'm coming to see you, I'm excited. I'm excited because I know I'm coming to see you. And the other way around might be that I really like you and it feels like eight, and, but I suck the life out of you through these sense of negative emotions I take yeah. from you. And I only need to take 0 0.01, minus 0 0.01, and you don't look forward to seeing me. Yeah, and switch off. Yeah. And people if it's negative, got, negative, it's... But I, I, think, I think all people have got that reality that you've just kind of mathematically said to us yeah. happening to them. Yeah, they have. I think everyone's got these people in their lives. It's, it's, well, definitely. And I think the challenge for people is when you've got someone you love who's negative. So you might have, you know... How do you deal with that? It's, it's well, there's not enough. If you, if, the, if you love, I mean, I, I speak from experience of people I love, family, who I, dr I dread sometimes interacting yes. with, you know, and, but I love them. So I always will. And there is a burden in life to carry sometimes. 
So, so I will carry that burden with love in my heart. There's no Exercise, doubt. patience, compassion. Yeah, exactly. Build, well, build, really, build your own emotional yeah. bank. Build enough self-esteem. Build enough positive energy. I want everyone, my dream, everyone is excited for tomorrow. Everyone, the person you love most isn't you, it's future you. So, so if you've created that vision of your future, you should be like massively excited I for love it. that. The person that you love the most isn't you. No, not it's you now. Future you. Future you. You and should be deeply in love with future you. I is you, is your it. future as bright as you want to make it? Um, y- yes. I mean, I do. Yeah, I think it is. What well, a great question. I, I think anyone can build the future they want. They just have to be really cl- crystal clear, deeply honest on what it looks like. And once they've worked out what it's looked like, yeah. you can make a plan. But the key part of the plan isn't what you do, it's who you have to be. That's personality side. Yes. It's because whoever you are is going to do the actions. So it's not the actions, yeah. it's who you have to be to do the actions. And so you can have almost any future you want. You know, I'm not saying we can all be Elon Musk. We can all be Michael Jordan. We can all do a same bolt. Of course not. Yeah, but it's not being Elon Musk that people want, is it? It's probably having some of the stuff that he's yeah. got that people want. But I, there's plenty of ways yeah. that you can be now to, to achieve certain things. Definitely. And I think you can look at Elon Musk and think, well, actually what he's got and what he's achieved. There's some things I don't like, but these bits I do like, I can emulate that. Yeah. And, I, and I might not get there, but I get to make progress towards it every single day. And oh. every bit of progress feels great. Let's, let's analyze Elon Musk for a second. Okay. <laughs> In a naive way. Yeah, yeah. What has he got? What, if he's got it, what is it? So I, I well, you know, I think we said it earlier on. I think he does have a spectacular IQ. Yeah. I think he had a, a, a very difficult childhood. I think a lot of the uh, information about him inheriting emerald mines and things like that are fake. I think he went- He had the industriousness, the ambition, exactly the conscientiousness. He has, he has extraordinarily high conscientiousness and he's deeply socially intelligent. So he can be extremely charming and utterly ruthless. He knows when to turn it on and off, combined with his relentless work ethic, just superb drive. And one of the other aspects of personality is optimism, pessimism. And he believes it's gonna happen. He's very optimistic. Yeah. And you, you can learn he optimism, you can teach yourself yeah. optimism. There's a book called Learned Optimism. Yeah, Segment. Mark and Seligman. Mark uh, and Seligman. What a book it is. I mean. It just gives you questionnaire after questionnaire yeah. to, to understand yourself on yeah. a deeper level. Absolutely. And there are other books that you can look at the world. We, Learned we, helplessness is the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a big, big thing. It's a real problem. It's that, it's that determined victim. Right. So, wonder what you think about this, because I've made it up. <laughs> so, the pandemic, as we all know it, yeah, yeah. it's COVID. There's a bigger pandemic than that. Yes. Much bigger. I agree. The biggest pandemic on the planet. When we cure this, you watch you watch evolution take place. Self-sabotage. Yeah, I agree. Is that the biggest pandemic? I agree. I agree. I, I, I'm so pleased I that agree you agree, by you. the way, because I just believe in everything you're saying here today. You sat there well, I, I, and you got me. No, well, I'm thinking the same about you, to be honest. And, you know, the fact we've read so many of the similar books is just incredible and it's awesome and I'm, I'm massively impressed by it but um so the self-sabotage comes back to the question why are you about to do what you're about to do why are you not about to do what you're about to do so let's bring it back to elon he wants to get to mars he wants he says he wants to die on mars now people concentrate on the die. he doesn't he wants to get to mars and live on the mars grow old on mars 
He's so just he, super focused on the goal, isn't and he, he? He just says, whatever decision I make, does it get me closer or further away from Mars? So I'll bring it to, if you don't, I'll make it all about me. For, for me, every decision I can make is my purpose primarily. I have yeah. two sons. Does what I'm about to do make their life better or worse? And every decision becomes anxiety free. You know that question? There's a book, the wrote a book on this, the British Royal Team. Will it make the boat go faster? Yeah. They're getting all these ideas from all these sports scientists. We're going to win the goal. We've got all these ideas to, to win. Yeah. And they had to have a question to filter everything else out. Yeah. And they came up with that question. Will, yeah. Will this it make, the boat make go faster? Go faster. And that's all that matters. So if people can find that mission, find that value, fall in love with the future self that's living that life. Do you have to fall in love with yourself now before you fall in love with your future self? I think you should fall in love with the bits of you that are okay now, but if you are a determined victim and you continuously self-sabotage, I think you should ruthlessly cut that person out of your life. Right. So, because what we're talking about is creating a new identity. You are. But love before it. you can create a new identity, you got to break this identity. Yeah, and old habits die hard. Well, there's... Creating is a different skill to breaking. It is. And that you've got to be able to break things down because there might be some parts of you now that you that you, you're okay with. Yeah. Your words, you said I'm I'm okay with this. There might be some bits. I'm gonna hook I'm gonna keep this, I'm gonna keep this. Yeah. And in being okay with it, I mean I'm using my language here and I'm and I'm learning from you as we go in here. I want to fall in love with these two. I want my self-esteem to build. I want yeah. my self-efficacy to build. Yeah. I want to feel my self-image and my self-confidence and belief that are all connected to one another. I w I've got to hook onto what's special about me. Yeah. Do you know Bob Rotella? Yeah, I know, well, know the name. Don't Bob Rotella, he wrote, he wrote many books in, on golf. He's coached, he's won 62 majors in golf. Wow. As a coach. That. Okay, okay. Okay. So he's coached the best, Tiger Woods, Seve yeah. Ballesteros, the, the whole lot. Amazing. And he told me this, he says, look, you, you want people to develop self-esteem and confidence. He, he does this, the f this is the first thing he does with the Tiger Woods and all this other planet. He's, he says, make a list of everything that's special about you. Yeah. Come back when you got the list. <laughs> make the list. F then fall in love with it. Yeah, okay. And then he says, um, what's your stuff? You know, like me interviewing you and oh, yeah. your, your stuff is, is getting the best, getting into a flow state, get, you know, all of the, yeah. this is your stuff. Just make a list of all your stuff and fall in love with it. Yeah. Cause if you don't love your stuff, stuff being the word. And then he said, the third one is what's your purpose? Okay. Which is where you started yeah, with the, the meaningful goals. Answer those questions and you can wake up in the morning with a skip in your step. Excited yeah. about future self yeah, type thing. So that, that was Bob Rotella. It. Yeah, well, that makes an awful lot of sense. And I, I think some of the, the contradictions people face when they look at great advice, because I think that story you just told is, is amazing, is then it's balanced out with self-acceptance. And, you know, that's very popular at the moment. People say, you know, self-acceptance. And... Yeah, I think you should accept the bits of you that you love, but don't just take the whole package. If you're, if you're very into, you know, if, if you and I woke up every morning and said, what's the best thing we could do today? Well, does it help my sons or not if I drink a bottle of vodka and spend the day hungover and eating Krispy Kremes? Um, Self-acceptance, it does not apply. I, you know, that should not 
being yeah. what we're looking for. And you know, when you mentioned self-esteem, your subconscious is always watching. It always watches to know if you, you've gone through and what you said you were going to do. Can't kid yourself. You can't kid yourself. And Nietzsche said, you know, I'm not upset that you lied to me. I'm upset that I can't believe you anymore. And that's where this mm. self-sabotaging internally comes from. Because you think, well, I'm, it becomes part of your consciousness and, you know, your self-belief, your idea. I'm not a reliable person. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to go to the gym uh, all, all for the last three months and I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm going to watch Love Island. It's a double-edged sword, that acceptance thing. Because you look at resilience. Resilience, the ability to overcome adversity. Yeah. Let's just say it's that. If problems happen, I've got to be resilient. When you fight the problem, mm. like you almost deny it or it's, you're angry about it. That's the opposite of resilience. Yeah. Accepting that's happened is the key to getting over it very quickly. Yeah. So what, what does some of the greats say? You know, what you hold on to holds on to you. Mm -hmm. And the only pain in life is resisting what is. Yeah. I mean, is, is acceptance a, re, a required trait of high performance? Uh, um, yes. The connotations I, of the word are twofold though, in, in the way that we're talking. They, they, they are, they are. And, and, you know, I, the, 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 the Buddha said life is suffering. Um, and he meant that the actual word was dukkha. And that means there is an element of dissatisfaction. There's an element of dissatisfaction, which means you and I, you know, if you, if, if you go for hundred percent self-acceptance and you love yourself adoringly, no matter what, then you're in, you're insisting on not experiencing any dissatisfaction. And if you and I go on this personal development yeah. journey forever, we still don't get to the end point. You just get to enjoy that journey. And the mental resilience part that you, you're talking about there, I think comes, you know, it feeds into that because you will become mentally resilient when you accept that there are going to be negatives. Life mm. will give you challenges. Well, that's the way of the world. It is. And I, I would ask people to think about reframing that as um, there are good days, there are good days, and there are hard days. There are no bad days. Okay, maybe your last day is a bad day, but I work in a hospital. I see many people on their last day or about to have their last day. And if you could look at the weather today and say it's a rainy day and work- Can, can we just- Tell the audience exactly what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so I've, I've spent uh, 20 years working in a big London teaching hospital and my primary role is to plan beforehand, during and take care of afterwards patients with head and neck cancers and severe head and neck facial traumas and then try and put them back together afterwards. So it's, it's life or death, big facial disfiguration and I'm part of a big broad team of surgeons um, and dietitians and speech and language therapists and our amazing, it's International Nurses Day today. So hooray to all, all our amazing nurses. And uh, so I've, I spend a lot of my time doing that. I've just come from the hospital today. I bet your team love working for you. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I do, you know, I, I, uh, again, I bring it back to Brad Sugars, actually. He, he talks about leading and he talked about you have to push. And so there's a bit of push and determined victims don't like being pushed. They, nothing's their fault. And when someone else's life is on the line, that's not good enough. You're going to have to up your game because if you're on the table, then you, you need the best. How about that for a line though? Because I'm always looking for bits like someone else's life's on the line. Yeah, but that's not my situation now. But what was transferable is, is what you just said. 
that's not good enough. No, it's not. And, and that can be applied in any situation yeah. if you want it to, if you choose it to, yes? Yeah. Yeah. That's, is that about setting standards? Well, I, I, well, what a beautiful question, mate. You're very good at this. The, um, I, I, if you're trying to um, describe identity to people, because I think the people hear that yeah. word and they don't know what it means a lot. Like they couldn't put a gun to their head and say define identity and they don't know what it means. So one of the ways you can define it is the minimum standards you will accept in life. And whatever your minimum standards are, beautiful. that is going to be your identity. I will not accept less than that. Interesting, that. I'm just saving it in the right hand side of my brain as we speak. Okay. Yeah, I've always gone with, describe yourself in five words. Yeah. And that might be a, I don't know, a naive way of doing it compared to yours. I've never done it in that way, but I, w I, w I, will, I will certainly be considering doing that moving forward. But I've always found that and then doing a check yeah what would your wife say in five words yeah. about you yeah well well that, yeah, that's that's very close to the mark um but i do if, if you can find loving critics so if yes. you and i've known each other for many years and like your yeah. wins are my wins you win the lottery i'm thrilled you get you do have a wonderful yeah. life i couldn't wish for anything more those are the people you want to take advice from and say how can i be better than i yeah. am they're what not am I jealous like? they're not there's no, no spite no ulterior motive yeah. Nothing else that- And you know who them people are. For sure. For sure, because they sabotage. I'll tell you when you know where they are, because when you do start going to the gym, they say, oh, you're training too much. What, me getting healthier somehow upset you? I, you know, how? How could that be? Whereas they're much more like saying, my God, you're so good at what you're doing. Yeah. Your consistency, your drive. I love seeing you healthy. Well, that's- Can you help me? Those people are naturally praising growth type behavior. It's the opposite of fixed, fixed mindset. If, yeah. if, if, if you go with that and, and they're offering recognition to you there at the same time. Yeah, they are. So, and they, they also aren't, um, feeling negative emotion at your positive event. So, so the, 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 the mirror of you isn't making them feel bad. You know, it, it's not like your wins make them. I think that makes you, I think what you said earlier on about that equation of giving energy, when someone's yeah. like, went like that with you genuinely, I think it gives you energy. Yeah. You know it. Oh, for sure. And those are the people you, you know, Jim Rohn's, you know, the, the average of the five people you want to be, you know, you spend yeah. most time with. And I'll, I'll throw a name out there to a guy called Robin Dunbar, who has a thing called Dunbar's number. And it's how many people you associate with. And it's five, 15, 50, 150. Okay. In, in your sort of circles, you've got your five close people yeah. most of your time, 15, a bit Be more deliberate who you're choosing. And, yeah. Wow. And those five are extremely powerful. And if they're all positive, you really won the friend lottery on life. And we ask people to do audits, like what, what do they bring to you? I would add in all right, so one of those second. five, one of those five has to be your future right. self. Okay. You can choose any five from history, past people. Oh, mate. Yeah. Who are you five? Who are, Who the, are five? the five? Do you know? I, Jim Rohn, he's got to be one. Yeah, I think he would be Jim Rohn. <laughs> I would, do you know, I would get some characters in there though as well. I'd probably want Jimi Hendrix in what there. What about, oh yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Just, just, I mean, but that's probably some form of self-sabotage. Um, but you could say, what did you do last Friday night? Oh, I just went out. No, with but yeah, I went it wasn't the Jimi Hendrix. It's the superstar. It's the, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, get, yeah. get a bit of something fun in there. I mean, well. I, I, for, from an intellectual point of view, there's a psychologist who, uh, I think he died, uh, Amos Tversky. Right. And Amos Tversky was the intellectual partner 
at the time for Daniel Kahneman, who's still alive and arguably the world's preeminent psychologist. In in his area, yeah. And those two and what they achieved together, um, achieving the Nobel Prize in economics. So you're you're a psychologist Uh who won the Nobel Prize in economics. Um, on framing and yeah. anchoring and just the work those two produced when those two minds came together is just stunning to see. So, and there, there's a great thing because Amos was, I, uh, first name terms, uh, the people would say when you met Amos Tversky, you could work out how smart you were by how long it took you to realize you were dumber than him. He was that smart. And so I'd like to meet him, uh, him and Hendrix. I'm sure they get on really, really well. Jim Rohn, definitely. Um, uh, I probably would add Elon Musk in there. Oh, yeah. I do think he's he's pioneering. And, well, you can't deny what is what is chief, can you? Is that four now? That's four. Can I come back to you on the fifth? Yeah, of course I'll, you I'll can. put my subconscious to it at the back of yeah, my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, just let your subconscious just plant a nice seed, let it grow back there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You know that, what yeah. my dad said to me about the subconscious? He says, you know what your subconscious is, James? It's the most powerful thing on the planet. It is. It's the only reason you're alive right now. Yeah. You know what it is? It's the most fertile ground that exists. Wow. I so think your dad just became my fifth. Right. <laughs> says it's the most fertile land on the planet. So imagine the most fertile land that there is. And you think, uh, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking richness of soil. Mm. I was thinking sort of Cotswold sort of uh, meadows type, mm. type thing. And he says, whatever you plant back there, it will grow. Mm. Whatever you plant back there, it will grow. So just, like just be careful of what you plant back there because it, it's the most fertile and it will grow so big. Yeah. So it, it, you, have you, you, you know, jacking a beanstalk? Yeah. So I, m- my image is like, you plant a little seed, beanstalks are growing. Yeah. Giants. Yeah. There's a movie called Moana. Yeah, I know. Have you seen it? I have. Oh, beautiful. So the Tafiti, at the end, she's all black. She's this fire monster because someone stole a heart. Yeah, yeah. And then they plug a heart back in. That's and right. She turns from black with all this darkness has been growing because it's that's like Eden. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And it just, yeah. and it turns like that. It says, that's what your subconscious is. And it, and from that day, I've, I've just felt so differently about it. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so we, if I'm ever trying to describe to somebody who isn't even aware that the subconscious is basically in charge of their life. Yeah. Is that I'll use the example. So maybe this will be my fifth, actually. If Scarlett Johansson walks in the room, I'm attracted to her. I didn't choose it. I didn't choose to be attracted. You just suddenly experience attraction. It just hits you. Now you could try and build a wedge into that mindfulness gap if you want to think, well, let's let's not behave like (laughs) a complete fool. Yeah, Yeah, the black widow just walked in the room. Um, but that's what it is. And then people say, well, you know, can you influence it? You know, is it there all the time? And I say, well, do you dream? Because it's not your conscious mind at night when you're in sleep. It is your subconscious mind that's making you dream. It's active all the time. And Daniel Kahneman's book, mm. Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, your subconscious works so much faster than you and I can even perceive of. Millions of inputs mm. a second. And we react to it. Yeah. However, we react to it best. But, and the mindfulness gap is to seeing that subconscious reaction and trying to create a little wedge, if you can. Trying to create it. Trying. Trying. All right, so let's, let's just come back for a second. I want to ask you something else that's just triggered another thought. So we've got thoughts, trigger emotions, emotions, trigger moods, moods hanging around for enough that starts to affect your yeah. uh, temperament, you saying, and your perception outside. And your temperaments and your behaviors, they stick around long enough and they, they start to impact or 
this is a negative word potentially, infect yeah. your personality. Definitely. You do. It becomes self-fulfilling. And, and so we call this the algorithm of life. And, and the algorithm of life is that you have these values in your heart. Yeah. They become your thoughts. They become manifest in your behaviors and your actions. Now you're one person and I'm one person. And our experience of our entire life is largely determined by the other 8 billion people. Those 8 billion people will only behave towards you based on what they perceive in your actions. So if you don't like what the 8 billion are doing, it starts inside your own heart. That's why you have to come back there. So what you and I can do is say, well, if you've got this, you've gone heart values, thoughts, behaviors, it starts to infect your personality. If it's not working for you, let's have a look at your self-awareness. Let's, let's take some measurements, which you can do with your loving critics, or you can do it scientifically. And let's see what kind of a person you are. Let's see what your exchange rate is for social energy. When people see you, do they think, I don't want that let, to let that person go? I wonder if I can text them and say, can we have another coffee? Or do they think, I don't want to see that person again. If you're looking at sales, I buy from people I like. You know, I work with a lot of salesmen. Yeah, yeah. And the salesmen I let into my company to sell their products via my company are ones I know everyone's going to like. And they, they, they kill it. They kill it because they're liked. And it's how are they liked? Because of their actions and behaviors. Yeah. Where did that come from? Mostly the subconscious, looking inside their heart. It's where it all starts. Have you heard of superconscious? I have. I don't I have. know what it is though. I, I, I've not studied it myself. So. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the superego, isn't there? You yeah, know, yeah. All the Freudian ideas, ego, id, and yeah. superego. But superconscious, I'm, I, I wonder if that is when you, I, I don't know, I'm guessing. Elon Musk, maybe he's got it. He, he's, he's, <laughs> he's certainly got something. He's certainly got some push. Uh, they, uh, one other thing, I'll, I'll mention this on leadership, then I've got some quick fire questions okay. for you. Uh, leadership. So gentleman named Mark Borden, is, is the world number one body language, non-verbal communicator. And uh, he, he studied leaders and what makes people followable. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is a leader, yeah? Yeah, you People want. want to follow them. Yeah. And he says, it's this, number one, they've made a choice. What kind of leader they are, what they stand yeah. for, whatever it is. Yeah. So they've made a choice. This is what I stand for. This is how I behave and act. Number two, they go bigger on that. They make, that's all about the super, that's all they do. Love it. They just go, they amplify it. And if communication or emotional intelligence, mm. you've alluded to many times on this is a big part of it, they'll just over, overuse that and just like stick to, stick to that. And they, and they said, last but not least, as they go on their own development journey, yeah. they keep it tidy. Okay. Cause you can read a book and you say, Oh, I'll do a bit of that as well. Yeah. And then you can learn, Oh yeah, I'll just do a bit of that. And yeah, you yeah. can start adding things yeah. on. And, and what, what it says is that makes you less followable. Okay. So do you think that, cause that sounds to me like the person you're describing, this leader yeah. is just going to exude authenticity and I can either buy in or buy out. And what I'm seeing is what I'm getting. You know, that, that sounds to me, they're going, to be, be summary. I, I, they're going to be I, so authentic, aren't they? I believe you. Everything that comes out of your mouth is, is hitting here. So I believe what you're saying, actually. So that is what I'm saying, what you just said. Okay. Well, it's I, a beautiful summary. I, well, I, I haven't heard your intro to it as well. So that's very good. I like the positive energy. Yeah. But, but, and, and I think authenticity comes with vulnerability. 
because you are saying this I is- I mean, it's classic. It's well, it's yeah. well versed that. I mean, you read the books, vulnerability-based leadership, the whole yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah, and Benny Brown is, you know, oh. a, a great speaker. Everyone should watch that little Netflix. I think it's 20 where, minutes, half Where are you hour. on this then? You can't be on the road to courage and on the road to comfort at the same time, Brenny Brown's type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think that's true. And growth of anything, I mean, I use the, the analogy of a muscle. Yeah. If I go to the gym and I try and bicep curl 100 kilos, nothing's happening. If I lift... 100 grams, nothing's happening. You've got to find that little stress point. You're right. And if you just find your stress point, which is unique to you, you just push a little bit there. You know, sports have got it right. On that point, and they've had this, and they've had this well-documented on research and literature for many decades called progressive overload. Yes, exactly. And they've nailed it. Yeah, they have. They've, it's like stress the system at yeah. the right balance point. Yeah. Then recover. Yeah. They so say that the next thing after that is you must recover. Yeah. If you if you go to the gym and then you you go and running down the road and then you're going out for a meal and then you're going over there yeah. and then you you're not recovering. No. And then the third thing is adaptation. And once it adapts, yeah. And it can't it can't adapt without the recovery. Push it again. Then push it again. Yeah. Probably a little bit more progressive overload. Yeah. yeah. And the same can happen. You can apply. You can take that concept because it's just a concept. Yeah. And you can apply it into personal development in business. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. As a leader. A absolutely. Absolutely. And as a leader, and I think everyone leads, everyone leads, and everyone also is looking for a leader. So, so you know, I, I lead my department at work, but then there's people I look to lead me in other areas. So I look to Kirk Miller for my yeah. personal training and, and he leads me on that. And so when you, when you become led, it doesn't yeah. mean you're not leading your own path in your own way. Beautiful. Here's the quick fire questions. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I think so. What's your favorite book? Uh, that's a brilliant question. Um, if I had to recommend a book to anyone, it, do people ask for two? You can have two if you want. Okay, I would go um, Ma uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl, yeah. and The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. Oh, very nice. And the favorite movie? Um, without any doubt, Shawshank Redemption. I'm with you on the Shawshank Redemption. So I've asked someone else and they've said the Shawshank Redemption. Why? That moment oh. at the end when there's no words <laughs> and Morgan Freeman is walking along the beach and his friend sees him and the camera's pulling out. You can't even see what they're doing. And these, these guys just embrace. That was the second moment. Oh. The first moment is when you see that hole in the wall and then the second moment on the beach. Yeah, oh. well, that, that's, that's satisfaction, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Absolutely. But, right. But yeah. There we go. I love it. Favourite music? Hendrix? Uh, listen to a lot of Hendrix, certainly. Uh, type of music? I'm pretty classical, mate. Pretty yeah. classical. Calmness? Yeah, and genius. Like in 400 years, will we be listening to yes. what's in the charts today? No, no, but I guarantee Mozart will still be everywhere. Absolutely. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Listen to it now. Just kill me. Just wonderful. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flight. Superman or Iron Man? Superman. 100% Superman. <laughs> no suit. Or just, Batman. Just gun it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Favourite holiday destination? Dubai. Oh. Dubai. You, you and I, I was a cynic about Dubai and my business partner, Rahil Malik, would go there a lot and he said, just try it once. And I went once and it was wonderful. Early bird or night owl? Very early bird. How very? Well, 
You're talking about chronotypes here, and this is scientific. There are five chronotypes. You can measure which chronotype right, you are. I don't even know what you're you, talking you, about. You, but you, go so on. everyone has a uh, a rhythm yeah. of when you're at your best, and it is based biologically. This is biologically proven on um, your super charismatic nucleus, your your chronotype. Super charismatic nucleus. Cry, uh, cr- super charismatic. <laughs> I wanted. So, I really wanted it to be called charismatic. Yeah, it would be better. <laughs> it would be better. But anyway, there are five chronotypes, and you've got extreme early birds, like morning yeah. larks, people in the middle, night owls, and extreme night owls. And I am an extreme morning I'm, lark. I'm, I'm with. I'm, I'm with. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm extreme on that. All right, so. If you could have one day in someone else's life, history or future person, who would you choose? Um, I would, I would love to be in that conversation with Amos Tversky. So I would go back to the early nineties and perhaps walk behind Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Have you met Daniel Kahneman? No. Have you been to see him speak? I have been to see him speak and I've read everything he's written. Um, and if he's, even if he's repeating a podcast lecture I've yeah. heard before I listen to it. Oh, I'm sure we, I'm sure you could orchestrate a meeting with him at some point anyway. Well, I'm sure you, who have been the three biggest trusted advisors in your life? Uh, without any doubt, um, my business partner. Yeah. Who, why? Do you know, he's one of the five, you know, in real life. And he, he's the fifth. He, he, he the, well, do you know, no, I'll get rid of all the others and have him. Okay. I would, uh, because if, if you've got those five people and they are positive in your life and I'm, um, this is luck, this is just luck, we met and we have very similar values with very similar drives. He's the brother I was never given and I'll take a bullet for him and I know he would for me. So, so for that, that's, that's gotta be yeah. one. Um, Who else? Um, biggest influences would be um, uh, a surgeon. I met when I first started surgery, I was a very junior, member of staff in the hospital. And I just remember seeing one surgeon turn up and he was irreverent and wouldn't accept low standards for patients and didn't mind calling people out. And it made a lot of enemies. But if you ask those enemies, your loved one has got a cancer, who do you want to fix it? They'd all go to him. And that mastery, so his name is Nick Hyde um, uh, and he's, he's inspirational. Um, other people, do you know, right now, currently in my life, I'm very close with Kirk Miller. Um, and we're on it. Yeah, and, and he's a genuine guy as well. He speaks from the heart. His integrity is amazing. You can see he's got pure values. You, yeah, definitely. And and I think there's a sense of belief. That I reckon if I call Kirk and say, Kirk, I need help, he would help me. If the listeners could apply one thing from today, what would it be? It would be... Don't be afraid of taking that inward look. Get help if you need it, but take the inward look. See how the texture of your own mind manifests in everything you do and everything you say and realize that that is the biggest determinant in your life. You can't control everything in life, but you can control a lot and it starts there. Take that inward look. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find a favorite part of this. Uh, discussion today because I, I feel like I've been sat with one of the wisest people on the oh, planet man, don't, in, don't in their area. That. I mean, you, but you're speaking compassionately and warmly about a subject that you wholeheartedly believe in. And I, I think it's that bit that's my favorite bit. Jamie, the, it, I, I've been lucky with meeting people in my life and this is going to sound macabre. I've been lucky to see people towards the end of their life 
And that, I know that sounds an awful thing to say, but you can speak to them and you can find out and you can find out what's important when nothing else is important, when you're near the end and nothing else matters and what's on TV tonight is irrelevant and what you're going to have for dinner next week is irrelevant. And you can see what really matters and it gives you such clarity. And that means that we can't buy that second. And so life is for living and you can live it best with those connections with other people. Do you know what? That, them, those moments that you've just described, in my opinion, they connect you on a spiritual plane. Yeah, I agree. On your own spiritual plane. Yeah. And actually that, in my opinion, again, is a huge thing for me on emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right. And that, that spirituality is, you know, perhaps emotional health. And that builds into one of the, the key five pillars of what it means to be alive, to be healthy. What's been your favourite part of today? Um, I, I have loved, I was so curious about what this was going to be like. Um, I'm, I'm always impressed by ability and it's a skill to interview people and you have that skill. So experiencing your questions, the way you interview is just, just being in that moment. And I always, I always think, you know, if this is the last glass of water I ever have, the water tastes much, much sweeter. So you have a conversation with a relative stranger, a relative stranger, and I get to watch your skill. And I love watching skill. It's just an amazing thing. Richard Paul, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a burning question first. Okay. Are you the stig? Uh, no, I'm not. Have you asked that question to previous people? Yeah, I've definitely not asked that question I'm to previous people. I'm not the stick. I'm not the stick. I drive too fast and I've just done a speed awareness course, but I'm not the stick. Well, you've got to, if you've just done the speed awareness course, it means that you've been well behaved for the last four or five years anyway. Y yes, that's true. That's true. Although yeah. I think I may have found a loophole, but uh, I got a, uh, I think they offered me a customer loyalty card. 